Coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, that's James the Brain Catullus. I'm a long-suffering Browns fan and Andrew Alarmist, Amari Cooper hater, and Kareem Hunt truther. That's Travis the Beard Rasmussen. Ayo, beard grower, teller of dad jokes, and voice of reason for all of John's garbage takes. I'm John, promo reading it at third grade level, Hogan. This is the Super Flex Super Show. Well, it's not. This is actually the podcast you intended to listen to, but you clearly make great decisions in your life. So since you decided on this great DLF podcast, after this great episode, how about you continue your impeccable decision making by checking out DLF's newest podcast, Us, the Super Flex Super Show. If you play in any Superflex leagues or just want to know more about them, come check us out at the Superflex All the Time podcast. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, we evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super Six, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show. And join us in the discussion of the only real way to play fantasy football in the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Until then, bye! You're listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off-season. And welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host once again, Matt Price, here with my buddies Dan Myler and Ryan McDowell. Dan, how's it going, pal? I'm good. Excited for another draft in our uh, DLF Dynasty Pod Listener League this week, this coming week. That's going to be exciting and excited to chat with you guys once again. That's a teaser, Ryan. I'm sure right after this show, you're going to figure out which draft year we're, we're doing for the next round. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the push there. I'm sure Dan's just looking forward to his <laughs> his next top three pick that he draws. Seriously, freaking luck box over here. Uh, but anyway, guys, we are going to uh, kind of shift gears. We've been doing rookies for the past month. We're going to kind of take a look back at the at May ADP. We've got a little bit of June ADP, too, I'm sure, from, from Ryan's early mocks. Um, and we're going to kind of look at, at the landscape and kind of look at some players that are both undervalued and overvalued and kind of just take a look back at, at what these rookies have done to the ADP in general and uh, pick out a few targets of ours this offseason that we're looking to acquire and sell on the flip side. So we'll start at the quarterback position. Dan, we'll go to you, you first. Who is your undervalued quarterback? You know, I, I think there's actually quite a few undervalued quarterbacks and that's pretty typical in our game uh dynasty owners always tend to go to the youth and and i'm one of those guys as well i know you guys are too but there's so much value down in the teens particularly and even into the 20s and we'll cover most of them here uh i had a hard time choosing between a few and settled in on matt ryan who is the quarterback 19 and he's only a year removed from a really nice fantasy season, um, and you can say what you want, what you want about 2017, 
But Matt Ryan's a guy that's put up big numbers many times uh, over his career. And yes, he may not be the most consistent guy, but when you look for a quarterback, uh, especially when you're waiting on the position in a single quarterback league or, or looking for a little value as your second quarterback in a super flex or two quarterback league, Ryan is an ideal target because of you know the targets that he has to, to throw to with Julio Jones and the others that are there in Atlanta, the running game that's already in place and that coaching staff that's proven uh, time and again that they know how to put him in a position to, to put up big numbers. Uh, I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to have a bounce back campaign in 2018 and when you can get a guy like that at 19th among quarterbacks I think that's a value Ryan any thoughts on Matt Ryan and if not let's hear your undervalued quarterback yeah I like I like Matt Ryan he does feel like a, a little bit of a value there I think a lot of the players that maybe we look at in this range either are, are those cheap veterans that are uh, always seem to be the option or maybe some players that their situation has changed uh, over this off season. And, and in Ryan's case, it really hasn't. I still have questions about their offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I actually thought they might uh, make a change there this off season, but they're going to give him another year it seems. So, uh, but I think we have to expect Ryan to bounce back a little bit from what we saw last year. Uh, the guy I went with was another Matt, Matthew Stafford. He is quarterback 13 right now. I was looking back at, at his fantasy finishes over the past several years. He's actually had only one finish outside of the top 13. So last year was quarterback eight. Uh, years prior to that, seven, eight. One year at quarterback 15. Uh, and three more as a quarterback one, seven, 11. And quarterback five dating back to 2011. So he, he just perennially uh, seems to be undervalued. I, I don't really get it. Looking at some of the players uh, above him, we're kind of nitpicking in this range, but um, Jameis Winston probably gets the edge based on age. Kirk Cousins, uh, I'd rather have Stafford versus Cousins pretty easily. Um, and, and then we get into some more of the young guys, Mariota and, and Jared Goff and guys in that range. So, again, not a lot of room to jump, but at quarterback 13, I see some value there. I, I definitely agree. He's just so consistent. And you think that he's been around forever because he has, but he's still only 30 years old, which is three years younger than Matt Ryan and, you know, uh, uh, four years younger than Aaron Rodgers. So he's got quite a bit of, of uh, tread left on those tires. I like the Ryan pick too. I think where he's probably going to end up somewhere between what we saw in 2016 and what we saw last year. I don't think he's near, nearly as bad as he was last season from a, from a production standpoint for fantasy, so he'll probably fall somewhere in the middle of those two years, I think. Uh, my guy that I chose was Phillip Rivers. I, again, I just think a model of consistency for the, over the last three seasons. He's been uh, at least 19.79 points per game uh, back in 2015, 22, 2016, 21, and last year just under 20 points per game. Um, so I, I, I love that. I still, I still think he's got several years in the tank still. Um, and I, if I was going to buy him, I think I could probably pay 205, 206 pretty easily uh, uh, from my standpoint, just 
finding somebody that would sell him for that, you know, if it's a if it's a rebuilding team or something. But I think in any we say always say that quarterbacks we can buy any of these vets really for a second round. And I think Philip Rivers probably qualifies there as well. Um, let's go over to our overvalued quarterbacks. I'll start us off here with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback seven. Like <laughs> I I understand the excitement. I'm excited about that offense too. But even just looking at the production last season, and again, I know he sat basically that entire year for San Francisco, um, but he did get five starts, weeks 13 to 17, and he threw six touchdowns in, in five games, in five starts, and, and five interceptions in five starts. I don't really think those numbers are necessarily something to get super excited about in terms of propping him all the way up to quarterback seven. Um, but I understand the high player people uh, in Dynasty like uh, like their the, the shiny new toy, and Garoppolo certainly is that in that new Shanahan offense. So um, I think at quarterback seven prices, I mean, he's he's probably priced near his upside already. Ryan, what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, I actually kind of – I feel okay about Garoppolo at, at seven, actually. Um, again, looking at some of the names around him, he's I think he's at least in the right tier with some of those names I mentioned earlier, Goff and Mariota. And, and what we saw in San Francisco last year, he improved his fantasy uh, finish every week from the time he started uh, other than week 17, which we always kind of throw out as as fantasy players. But that first week, of course, he, he just took over. I think he played a half or maybe three quarters and uh, he was quarterback 29 and steadily improved that week 16. He was the quarterback three overall and maybe even helped help some teams win some championships with that finish in week week 16. But uh, obviously San Francisco's uh, made it an emphasis to get him some weapons this off season, signing some of those uh, some of those Shanahan type players and, and drafting guys like Pettis as well. So maybe that is, around a ceiling, but I think that's pretty fair value for Garoppolo at this point. Uh, as far as the guy I went with, I think I kind of took the chalk. Uh, Andrew Luck is quarterback six. I mean, bottom line, at this point, people are starting to question if he ever plays again. Just just that concern alone, even if you think that might be a stretch or a far-fetched, that should put him uh, much lower than quarterback six. I don't know if it's that that name appeal or what he's – uh, accomplished in his career up until this point, but uh, I, I'm not even sure I would have him in the quarterback one range at this point. So I I think he should be a, a handful of spots lower at least. Even I, I mean, assuming he does come back, which is is still the assumption at some point. Haven't you seen those rocked up pictures, Ryan? Have you seen him with that muscle shirt on? Have you seen how big those muscles are now? Uh, I have seen those. They, they <laughs> haven't. They haven't won me over yet. Uh, but but even if he does come back, we we have to be worried about how how quickly he can get back to the Andrew Luck that we remember, as far as uh, his ability on the field and uh, the numbers that he can produce and. And, and let's not forget that that Colts team, that Colts offense is kind of a disaster it, with or without him. It's it's Luck and T.Y. Hilton and not much else. So if he's back, that's the first question. If he's back and healthy and, and playing like he did in 2014, 15, and so on, that's the next question. And, and then he doesn't have much to throw to after that. Dan, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you guys – hit the nail on the head when it comes to luck. I, I think he certainly qualifies under this as well uh, as an overvalued guy. I'm certainly concerned, just like every other dynasty owner out there, 
um, but no need to dwell, dwell on that too much, uh, at least in this episode. If I'm a Andrew Luck owner, however, I'm, I'm going to worry about it going forward. Matt, your, your guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I, I agree with to some extent at quarterback seven. I'm pretty excited about his upside as well. But you mentioned some of the numbers that he posted after the trade to San Francisco, and they all certainly looked good. And, and he certainly passed the eye test. Um, if, if you're worried about Jimmy Garoppolo, though, though, you're certainly worried about my guy. And the guy I chose was Patrick Mahomes. I, I really I continue to scratch my head when I look at this ADP and see Mahomes picked in the top 10 even, and especially all the way up there at 8. Uh, it seems a little, little bit too risky for me. Uh, but Mahomes only played in the one game, didn't th- throw a touchdown, uh, didn't look particularly... Uh, game-changing. I know it's just one game. Uh, and the draft capital's there. I understand that being attached to Andy Reid and that offense, that's a, all good things. But when going back to what Ryan was talking about, some of the names that come after Patrick Mahomes, including Goff and Mariota and uh, Jameis Winston and Stafford, who, who's an undervalued guy, uh, you can even go deeper than that. There's a lot of names that I feel a lot more comfortable with. And I, I, I understand uh, all the good things surrounding Patrick Mahomes and being 22 years old and the big arm and, and all the things associated with him. Uh, I'm, I'm just not willing to bump him all the way up into my top 10 and invest the type of collateral you'd have to pay to get him on a roster. I guess the difference for me between Mahomes and, and Garoppolo, other than, I mean, I'm not saying they're the same type of quarterback because they're certainly not, but Mahomes, I feel, has just all those weapons you, you know, surrounding him, whereas I, I, you, you can say that, that San Francisco weapons are nice and they're building some nice pieces around him, but we're still talking about Tyreek Hill versus Pierre Garçon, and we're talking about Travis Kelsey versus George Kittle, and we're talking about whoever the second receiver is going to be versus Sammy Watkins, you know? So I think that's the difference for me, and I, I'm not saying that Mahomes isn't overvalued there but I, I can i can see the, the excitement i guess more surrounding mahomes than i can for for garoppolo but uh, i think both certainly qualify for this exercise dan we'll go right back to you at the running pack position for your undervalued guy here uh someone out of indianapolis yeah i i picked marlon mack and and he's he's a guy i've targeted throughout this off season and have been able to pick up a f- in a few different places i you know he played that tr- change of pace role and and that backup role a year ago and and didn't even carry the ball a hundred times uh average less than four yards a carry which which aren't necessarily glowing uh numbers when you look for for the future starting running back of of any team but but that's what he is right now when you when you look at that depth chart and see guys like robert turbin and naheem hines and uh, i think christine michael is still there uh those guys aren't uh, you know, eye catchers or, or guys to turn your heads to as well. So uh, Marlon Mack is explosive. He showed that upside at times throughout his rookie season. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that that he's he's going to get a lot of opportunity. He's going to get that first crack and that first chance to be the guy. Uh, they've they've addressed the offensive line in a couple of different ways this offseason, and although it's going to be young and, and there are still some question marks there, it's obvious that, that that's a priority for the Indianapolis Colts. So, so I see Mack as a guy that's going to move up 
our ADP list as this offseason progresses and as we get into the preseason. Um, a guy that can catch passes and run the ball between the tackles. I, I think he's a 15-touch per game guy, and to get a guy like that all the way as an RB4 at RB37, that feels pretty good to me. Yeah, I went with the – I like the Mac call. I went with a player that actually kind of reminds me of uh, Marlon Mack, or, or maybe I should say Mack reminds me of, of this guy. I went with Gio Bernard. Um, in our May ADP, he was running back 49, which really just feels like stealing. I think obviously a lot of people just thought his value was shot after they drafted Joe Mixon uh, last year, but he still had, had some very solid games, uh, six games – as a starter, as a fantasy starter. So six games in that top 24 range or better in 2017. He finished just outside of the top 24 running backs, uh, RB 28 last year. So um, offering some some RB3 value or, or, or uh, maybe a like a bye week or injury type fill-in. Uh, and I think that's really what we're going to see again this year as well. So he, he's not a guy that's ever going to regain that top 10, top five value that he had a couple of years ago. But at RB49, his ADP's outside of the top 150. I think he could jump 50 spots and still be a reasonable pick just outside of that top 100 range. Yeah, I agree with with both of those, especially Geo. We just are right near running back fifty. That just that just seems ridiculous for somebody who is it has Jeremy Hill out of the way. Should something happen to Joe Mixon, is going to provide the, those few catches out of the backfield every single week as a as a kind of floor play for you, especially in bye weeks or as a as a fill in in a flex spot. So love that. And Marlon Mack, you know. <sighs> I don't. I mean, I like I like Matt quite a bit, and the the thing about Jordan Wilkins becoming the next guy, like, and, and talking about how he's better between the tackles, and he's a he's a bigger back. He's six one two oh one, and Marlon Mack is five eleven two thirteen. So I don't really. They're they're basically the same size, with Mack even weighing a little bit more there. So I've never really understood those comparisons. So you guys can go ahead and draft Jordan Wilkins. I'm going to stick with Mack there as well at that that sort of range. For me, I picked Royce Freeman. Went back to the rookies. I just think at running back twenty six. He's got a plenty of room to move up there. Uh, the the, the uh, Denver running back game uh, last year, CJA was a running back 24. So that's already under AEP there. 24 of his 26, he averaged 11.4 points per game, but he did get over 1,000 yards. And, and last season, let's be honest, that, that offensive line was just horrible. It was a kind of a revolving door. So one more year to kind of solidify. They drafted a guy in the sixth round who seems like a, a guy who can play any position on the line. And, uh, you know, and two years before that, uh, uh, CGA in 2016, he had he was running back 15 with 14.6 points per game. So I just think there's a lot of room there for a guy who I think is going to be the unquestioned starter to finish as kind of a high running back, too. And you can get him at running back 26 prices right now. So we'll go over to the overvalued guys back to Ryan with Derrick Henry. Yeah, I went with Derrick Henry running back 17 right now. I'm just kind of worried about what the Titans are telling us about him. They drafted him after they had uh, just acquired DeMarco Murray a couple years ago, and that was uh, that was always kind of a, a confusing series of moves, I think. And um, Murray, even even though he was basically nicked up nearly his entire Tennessee career, he, he still kind of held that job over Henry. Uh, most of the time we saw when he was out at the end of last season, uh, Henry had some big games. His value uh, really jumped up based on that. Uh, and then, of course, they go out and signed 
signed Dion Lewis and, and we're kind of right back to where we were with Murray there. So it just seems pretty obvious that they're not ready to hand the reins to Derrick Henry. Uh, I, I look back at some of his weekly production in his two years in the league. He has had four RB1 games uh, in his two years, so four games in the top 12. Uh, I think uh, a couple of those were at the end of last season, but he's had 20 outside of the top 36 game, uh, top 36 running backs. So a, a bit of a boom-bust guy there. I, I do expect to see him with more opportunity next year, and, and I'm actually not ready to trust Deion Lewis to even stay healthy. But like I said, I think the Titans are telling us what they really think about Henry, and that worries me a little bit in this price range of uh, of running back 17. Yeah, I was just as worried about Derrick Henry, and he came in at running back 17. I went with a guy right behind him in our current ADP, and that's Rashad Penny of the, the Seahawks. Matt, you mentioned about running backs when you're or these rookie running backs when you're talking about Royce Freeman there's the one guy that worries me especially considering ADP has been penny throughout this process even after being drafted by Seattle and and all that talk coming out of uh, the Seahawks um, training facility saying saying how he's going to be the bell cow and he's going to be that that three down back and things like that the things I saw on tape when I watched him play at San Diego State didn't point to a three down player to me I'm certainly no scout or anything like that but but pass catching has never been a strength of his everybody says that blocking is a problem as well and and, and you turn on any film of him playing in college and it'll prove that uh I'm also not sold that he's that between the tackles thumper with the with enough speed to get the edge that so many are are thrilled about and to to pay mid RB2 prices for a running back that hasn't really proven himself uh, as, as a three-down player and is entering the league with a coaching staff that hasn't proven that they'd, they like to uh, commit to one tailback, despite what they say, uh, over the last few years, that, you know, Seattle hasn't settled on a, on a consistent running back since Marshawn Lynch was there and putting up those big numbers we've seen so many running backs go through there and, and you know Chris Carson and CJ Procise and and Eddie Lacy was there and, and the list just goes on and on I, I'm just not convinced that Penny's gonna grab hold of that role and and grab the bull by the horns and, and just take it and and run uh, I, I'd much rather take some of the other running backs that are in the same range uh, and, and not risk it on the running back or the rookie running back that, that is so unproven and falls into a position where where there's no proof of consistent use with one tailback in Seattle. Yeah, I, I like both of those. Uh, Rashad Penny, I've, I've been against for a, for a little while now. At his current price, I just he's, he's, he's so big, and, and so you'd think he'd be a power back, but he, he's not really. He's more of a finesse back, and I hate that, and I hate the fact that he can't block, and I hate the fact that maybe the offensive line is, is – is, the hate on the offensive line is maybe a little bit overblown now that they have Dwayne Brown there, but I, I still don't think it's very good. And I think he's purely going to be purely a volume play. Sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't. And, I, and just because I don't like the player as much, I'm going to probably steer away at those prices. And Derrick Henry, I feel like I've been on the wrong side of him like the entire time. Like when he first came out and everybody was all about him, I hated him. And then I kind of like kind of kind of warmed up to him middle into last season, and now he's back to to, to not being great again. So I've I've, I've missed the 
certainly missed the point on, on Henry at all points uh, in his career and for fantasy. Um, my guy here is Jordan Howard at running back 15. I just, I just don't know. Last year, running back 19, 12.6 points per game. But he had five games under 7.6 points, which is just going to kill you most weeks. Um, he's a fifth-round pick that wasn't selected by this current coaching regime. So I just I, I feel very nervous about Jordan Howard in 2018. And going forward, it seems like they really want to use Tariq Hill a lot more. And I think I'd be selling anywhere like around the 108, 109 pretty easily if I could get that for Howard at this point, you guys. Any thoughts on Howard before we move to wide receiver? You know, I've been a fan of Howard since he came into the league and and was one of the guys that was drafting him probably higher than most. And I have the same trepidation when it comes to him, although I think he has touched that touchdown upside uh, still is going to exist in in this new offense. So um, I'm maybe not willing to call him totally overvalued uh, and certainly willing willing to have him on my rosters. But but there is a little bit of concern for sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break for, for, for a word from Reality Sports Online, and we'll be back with wide receivers in just a few minutes. Hey there, this is Tom Kislingberry of the Read and React podcast. Have you ever wished that you could be an NFL general manager? Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel and features a revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fancy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, 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 much more. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code DLF10, that's DLF10, to record a 10% discount on your team or your league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. All right, we're back with wide receivers. I'll start us off here. Randall Cobb, wide receiver 55 in May 80p. He has never finished lower than wide receiver 46, which he did last year with only 10.2 points per game to 2016. Also wide receiver 46, 11.4 points per game. Uh, before that, in 2015, he was wide receiver 30 with nearly 13 points a game. This year, I think he's clearly the number two receiving option in obviously an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. Uh, you know, one of these rookies are really going to have to break out in year one to really kind of overtake him there. Graham, I think, is certainly a concern as well, especially now that they signed Mercedes Lewis. There's some some heat out there about Lewis being the the, the, the blocking tight end and Graham really playing more of that receiving role. So that's certainly uh, uh, troublesome there. But I do think Cobb is the second best wide receiver option there and he has the best quarterback on the planet so i'm willing to buy at wide receiver 55 prices i think he outproduces that pretty easily and, and we could see him as a wide receiver three uh, on the regular this year so that's my guy dan we'll go back to you and uh alan robinson yeah Cobb's really all of our guys <laughs> it is actually he is actually no we all not. know how much no 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 much... no no <laughs> hey, hey come on now <laughs> i you, you may have been on the bandwagon before. Ryan before liked me. Randall Cobb before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're all Cobb fans, though, and I certainly think he he belongs on the list 
as well. I I, uh, I would love to see a bounce-back season. I know there's a lot of targets, as you talked about, to, to share the football with there in Green Bay, Matt. But uh, Cobb, Cobb certainly looks like he could uh, he could have that bounce-back campaign. Like you said, I went with Allen Robinson. I know it might sound kind of odd to, to choose a guy that's just barely out of the top 12, those wide receiver ones. Uh, Robinson comes in at 13, but I, I really do feel like he's undervalued. I don't know if it was the injury or changing teams or, or maybe there's some question marks surrounding everything uh, landing in Chicago and, and things like that. Um, maybe it's a combination of everything there, but but I really like the landing spot. I, I like, the, like the team that's been assembled around him. Um, I'm a fan of Matt Nagy. I thought that was a nice hire. Trubisky, I'm a believer that that he's going to continue to improve in year two and beyond. And I like some of the other additions with Taylor Gabriel, the speed guy that can stretch the field, and then Trey Burton, who can work the middle of the field and, and is underrated. Uh, so I, I like what they're doing in Chicago. I like that running game to, to help Trubisky and, and keep defenses honest. I think Robinson will get some opportunities to, to play – uh, make a, make an impact both as a possession receiver and a red zone uh, pass catcher, and he'll still get the chance to get vertical and get down the field. So uh, it feels to me like Robinson should be two or three spots higher. You see guys like Amari Cooper and A.J. Green, Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs, in the, the four guys in front of him. Uh, I'm taking – Allen Robinson over Amari Cooper. I'm probably taking him over AJ Green, and I'm definitely taking him over Stephon Diggs. And I like all those guys. I just feel like Robinson belongs uh, belongs above them in our ADP, and and I think that's going to show early in the 2018 season. Yeah, I like the I like the uh, A Rob call. I actually went with uh, one of his brand new teammates, Anthony Miller. A little bit deeper here. Miller is wide receiver 53. Uh, I'm sure once we get our June data set, he's he's a player that's going to move up some from that range. But at that point, he feels like a, a major steal. Looking at some of the names around him, he's he's between Kelvin Benjamin and, and Cameron Meredith. This is a guy going early in the second round uh, of rookie drafts, and I, I sure wouldn't pay a, an early second rounder for those guys if you want to think about it that way. Clearly. Uh, Robinson is going to be the guy there in Chicago, but I think playing uh, playing second fiddle to him, Miller could could still see plenty of targets and, and a big role in that offense that we all expect to be much improved. So uh, again, at, at wide receiver fifty three, I'll go with Anthony Miller. Dan, how high do you think Robinson can climb? Like, let's say he doesn't have you know his fourteen hundred yard, fourteen hundred fourteen touchdown season. Let's say he has a really good season, like eighty catches, twelve hundred yards, and eight touchdowns. Like, that seems like a reasonable projection for him in there, assuming he stays healthy and Trubisky develops. So, do you think he can climb like up into that mid mid wide receiver ones? Yeah, I, what you just described is De- what Devonte adams has done over the last couple of years and i think he falls in in that range uh adams last last year you know and adams hasn't even had a thousand yard season and i know he has rogers and and now uh jordy nelson is gone and and that's helping his his adp rise i guess uh but and has a couple of 10 touchdown seasons as well but there's kind of a fall off after you 
you mentioned those top four or five guys, Beckham and Hopkins and Antonio Brown and Mike Evans belongs up there. But after that, with Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams and, and some of those names that I mentioned earlier, there's, there's room for Allen Robinson among that group. And, and I know Robinson has really only done it once. He's, he's only showed that, that elite upside in one season, but one full season at least. But I, I just I believe in him, and, and I really like where he's at. So, so I think, yeah, he could, he could get into that mid-wide receiver one tier but I wouldn't be shocked if he moved up even higher than that and had a had another really big season. Now, maybe it's not 1,400 yards and, and 14 touchdowns, but if we see 1,200-plus and double-digit touchdowns, he belongs in the same breath as some of, some of those guys in the top six at the position. All right. Ryan, I think we're going to have a fight here, so let's, let's, let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for, I'm ready for for my for my overvalued player, and it's not because I don't like him. I do like him, but it's Tyreek Hill coming in a wide receiver eleven, putting him just inside that wide receiver one range in a twelve team league. All right, so here's here's why I'm a little bit down on him. I shouldn't say down on him. I'm not down on him. I'm just a little bit nervous about about paying that kind of price for him. Number one. Everybody's excited about Mahomes, but he's basically going to be a rookie quarterback. We don't know what he's going to do. We don't know which one, which one of those weapons he's going to prefer. Um, you know, Kelsey could be his guy. Watkins could certainly be his guy. And number two is the efficiency. Last year, Hill was the only receiver with over 1,100 yards and under 83 receptions. He had 75. Under 136 targets, he had only 105. So I'm just worried about about is, is if his usage really going to go up is it really going to go up from that 105 and if not then how can we kind of predict that that same kind of efficiency and then the third reason why i'm a little bit nervous about hill is just the just the presence of sammy Watkins. you know they paid him a lot of money they paid him 48 million with 30 guaranteed there's not really a potential out until 2020 um where there'll be like a seven million dead cap there and it just seems like Watkins profiles is more of like a true NFL wide receiver one than Hill does. So unless Hill kind of maintains that ridiculous efficiency on that, those low number of targets, I just I feel really nervous about that wide receiver 11 price. So tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I, I mean, I think the Mahomes thing is is fair to be concerned about, um, although we've already talked about his price. So um, I, I don't know that many are, although maybe maybe they should be. The efficiency, I mean, we can talk about that with, with Hill or with guys like Alvin Kamara. I do expect the volume to go up, even even with the addition of Sammy Watkins. So for me, that kind of that kind of cancels out that concern. And I think you know, Hill Hill was the guy who last year he would he would break that big touchdown. Um and and then uh, there would be the concern, okay, he's he can't do this every week. And he pretty much did do it every week, just about. Um now is he going to do that again in 2018? You know, that's a lot of pressure. And, and those are certainly not the kind of things that you can, uh, you can project, but I think he showed enough to um, expect and to be valued in that, that wide receiver one range. As far as Watkins, he hasn't done anything honestly to, to make me even worried about Hill. And in fact, I don't think, I don't think he does project as a as an NFL wide receiver one. Um, as far as his uh, his style of play, um, I mean he's he's shown to be as much of a, a big play reliant wide receiver as Hill has, in my opinion. 
Fair enough. Dan, any comments on, on Hill? If not, let's, let's hear your guy. I think I'll just jump right over to my guy, and that's Josh. <laughs> He's staying out of it. I'm going to straddle that fence on this one. I'm a Hill fan as well, but I, I certainly see both sides of the argument, so I'll just stay on the fence with that one. Uh, Josh Gordon's my guy at wide receiver 22. and it, you know I've been a Josh Gordon fan in the past, and, and I've been one of the guys that uh, have been staying away from him more recently, I guess. You know, say what you want about off the field. Even on the field, I think there's so many question marks surrounding Josh Gordon that he becomes one of the riskiest players in the league still. And and that's without even considering the off-the-field stuff. All the rust that's um, that he has to shake off and, and the fact that he was peppered with targets late last season, and I know you can say what you want about the quarterback that was thrown in the football a year ago, but all those things factor in, and now you have other options in Cleveland, Jarvis Landry's there and uh, Corey Coleman's still there. Of course, David Njoku, a lot of people expect him to make the next step. And even though they, they upgraded the quarterback position there, there's still question marks there with the whole Tyrod Taylor thing and how long he'll start and, and how well he'll blend with that vertical threat that is Josh Gordon. And, and then when, when they make the switch to Baker Mayfield, uh, whether that's sooner or later, uh, how, how those two will blend as well. So there, there's just so many question marks surrounding Josh Gordon, uh, both on the field and off the field, that I'd rather risk a draft pick. If I, if I was picking a guy in the in the, those, well, the fourth or fifth round, I, I could find a rookie, one, one of the one of the rookies or, or a younger player that I'd rather take a little bit of a gamble on or, or one of the veterans that are around him in AB, ADP as well. Uh, I'd, I'd much rather take the chance on one of those guys than Josh Gordon, who's one strike away from, from just completely disappearing for, for fantasy purposes. What, what would you sell Gordon for? Gosh, you know, I've sold him so many times that I'm <laughs> so done selling him that I, I, I don't know, I, I guess. Um, Would you take you know, any I, first rounder? I think I could get a little bit more than those low-end first rounders. I think I'd need like 106. I think I'd need I think like I'd 106, take, 107. You know, like, like 10, 11, and 12, you think, man, it feels like I should get something a little bit better than that. But I see guys like Kelvin Ridley below him, who everybody knows I'm I'm high on, and, and I'd make that swap in a in a heartbeat. So if he was on the board at eleven, and that's the offer I got, I would I would t- make that swap. The the guy I went with here was Corey Davis, and he's wide receiver sixteen in our our May data. He's uh, he's been trending up. I'm I'm not sure what his June number is yet, but. I just don't get it, honestly. I mean, we we know what he was a year ago, or we, we at least know what uh, the opinions about him were. But there were some concerns about the the level of play, uh, level of competition that he had in college. Um, he had the injury through that pre-draft process, so we didn't really get to see what his combine numbers were or anything like that. There was that question. And, and then Tennessee still used the early pick on him. And I know he had the injury, and and obviously that slowed him down. But he he played eleven games last year. The first game of the year, he was wide receiver twenty five, and it, it seemed like that's all it took. Everybody was on board. The next week, he got hurt, and 
he basically through that injury and, and then coming back from that did nothing the rest of the year. He was wide receiver 25 that first week. Uh, I think one of those last games of the year, maybe, maybe the last game of the season, he was wide receiver 14 and in between he had nine games of wide re- wide receiver 50 production or worse. Um, and that is, you know, it, it's fair to ex- expect a, uh, a second season improvement you know, as far as learning the playbook, fully recovering from that injury, meshing with his quarterback more. So uh, um, even if that's the case, wide receiver 16 just seems so far out of the range of where he should be. Um, he is actually less than, uh, I guess, half a half a spot or half a point ADP-wise behind Juju Smith-Schuster, um, who obviously Davis was drafted well ahead of Schuster, uh, Smith-Schuster in rookie drafts last year, but I can't believe these guys are even close. Juju is wide receiver 15, Davis is wide receiver 16, and he's at least 10 spots too high in my opinion. I think Davis is a really interesting case study for, for us dynasty owners because of all the all the things you said there, Ryan, that all that draft capital and the, the ups and downs of his rookie season, more downs than ups, of course. And then that big game in the playoffs where he caught those two touchdowns against the Patriots with, with every dynasty owner in the world watching. And all of us knew immediately what that was going to do to his stock. And, you know, everything out of OTAs is Corey Davis made this amazing catch and Corey Davis looks spectacular. And that's just feeding this beast that is the Corey Davis hype train that is is about to get out of control, really. I couldn't agree with you more that 16 is head-scratching at the very least. And to see him just just a click below Juju Smith-Schuster, who had that huge rookie season and, and really came out of nowhere, is mind-boggling. Uh, so Corey Davis is an excellent choice for, for an overrated, uh, in my opinion. And, and you know, I just don't know what's going to slow this down outside of a massive injury or something like that until the season starts. And a slow start, and, and everybody's pretty excited about that Tennessee offense and the upside with Mariota and company all the, all in place. Uh, everybody seems to expect that offense to take a step forward and for Davis to be a big part of that. Um, maybe it's the fact that they really don't have any other big-time pass catchers in place to, to get excited about. But I, I'm certainly with you on Davis and, and a little hesitant to even make him a wide receiver two, let alone a mid-wide receiver two, and uh, with really no end in sight. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he jumps into the Stephon Diggs-Allen Robinson conversation late in this offseason because it, it's getting out of control. Yeah, looking at some of the guys below him in our ADP, there's there's a little bit of something for everyone depending on what your team situation looks like, but he's ahead of T.Y. Hilton, Jarvis Landry, Adam Thielen, Alshon Jeffrey, Doug Baldwin, so certainly some safe veteran production there, but um, uh, Landry is, is not much older than Corey Davis even with a few years in the league uh, on him. And then we, we can go deeper. Cooper Cup is wide receiver 25, and, and we know Cup – well outperformed Davis in their rookie seasons as well. Um, so that's, that's more of the range I would be comfortable with Corey Davis. It seems to me like I would, I would maybe, if I wasn't going to go with either Hilton or Landry, maybe some of those veterans like Thielen or Jeffrey, if, if you're trying to build a winner right now, uh, that seems like an ideal time to go to another position. Um, Corey, I, I just couldn't, we're talking about, 
times where in this ADP, he went 18th overall. That is unreal to me. I, I'm, I, I just can't imagine what was in that guy's mind to take him that, that highly. Dan, Corey Davis at his price, wide receiver 16, or Josh Gordon at his price, wide receiver 22? Oh. <laughs> I w- if they're both on the clock at the same time, I'm taking Davis. But considering price, uh, trade down. Let me trade down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, I said I didn't know Davis's ADP. I, I just had to look it up. Um, it, it's 27.2 in June, so he, he climbed ever so slightly. I don't get this, though. Uh, Allen Robinson actually dropped – and he is now, uh, he is, his ADP is now 25.3. Uh, I think that represents a drop. No, actually, he, he improved slightly as well, but they are right beside each other in ADP. At what point in, among wide receivers? So that makes, uh, that makes Allen Robinson the wide receiver 13. He actually maintained that rank from last month. But Davis is all the way up to wide receiver 14. He's now ahead of Juju Smith. Uh, ahead of Brandon Cooks, ahead of Thielen, and, and some of the other guys that he already uh, had had uh, overtaken. So I, I was already sickened that that he was that close to Juju, and now he's ahead of him. I don't <laughs> go get it. go trade Corey Davis for Juju, everybody. I guess uh, the, the there's another wide receiver in that offense that I think is pretty forgotten that we could any of us could have honestly picked for for undervalue and that's Rashard Matthews and I I mean uh, he's been no slouch over the years and, and could certainly produce near or or even eclipse Davis again this season so it uh, just kind of depends on all, on what uh, Matt Lafleur wants to do and how that uh, Sean McVay offense is going to translate with these pieces there so let's move on to tight end and uh, let's see we'll st- start with Ryan here. All right, I'm going back to that Bears offense. I've talked about my love for Trey Burton before. I know Dan is on board with me on that one. He's he's tied in 11, which may seem a little rich for some people, but uh, he's actually in that uh, a mid tight end one for me. More, I think he's tied in six for me. So fully on board with that. Again, I'm really excited to see the Bears offense this season. Lots of comparisons to the Rams from a year ago, and I think those. Uh, I think those comparisons are fair. I don't expect to see the Bears become the top scoring offense in, in the NFL like the Rams did for uh, for much of last season, but definitely some major improvement. And uh, l- looking at some of the guys that uh, Burton is ahead of, including maybe a couple of the names that are going to be mentioned here, uh, but, but specifically George Kittle, O.J. Howard, those are just guys I don't know that you can feel comfortable starting in week one, but uh, I, I would feel good about Burton even with his uh, relative limited experience. Yeah, like you said, Ryan, uh, I couldn't agree more. I'm a, I'm a Trey Burton fan as well, and I talked about how I, I feel really good about that Bears offense and, and what they're putting together in Chicago and, and the upside of, of really everybody uh, at each level of that offense, whether whether you talk about the quarterback or the pass catchers or the running back. So, so Burton's a guy that I would definitely have inside of my top 10, and to get him at tight end 11 feels like a value. I'm going to go a lot deeper in our ADP to find my value, and it's not because I necessarily love this player or his upside or what he's done to some of my uh, dynasty teams in the past, 
But it, it just seems ridiculous to me that Jared Cook is the tight end 39. And I know a lot of the dynasty owners out there are probably rolling their eyes right now thinking, oh, geez, Cook, how many times has he burned me in the past? But Jared Cook had six tight end one seasons last year. And I realized that, that he had a lot of duds as well. Uh, in fact, he had eight outside of the top 25, which makes him very inconsistent at best. But those those upside games, those those, uh, those six games where he did score uh, inside of the top 12 make him a useful fantasy asset. And when you can get that guy for free, it seems like a value. Cook caught 54 passes for 688 yards and a couple of touchdowns last year. Had the 200-yard games. And I, 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 I'm on record on this very show in the past saying, if, if you can guess which games he's going to have where he goes off, you're a better dynasty owner than me. But that still makes him a valuable asset and worthy of, of being on a roster. Definitely worthy of being in the mix in the, those middle weeks when, like we've talked about on this show many times, after the top 10 or 12 tight ends, it, it's really a roll of the dice when it comes to who you're going to plug into that starting lineup and who you're going to get some production out of. So, you know, I don't feel good about putting Jared Cook in my lineup at, at any time throughout a season, but I don't feel too bad about having him as my tight end three when I got him for free. Yeah, he's on waiver wires everywhere, and if you know, you're completely punting the position, there's certainly worse you could do than Jared Cook. My guy here is, uh, and, and go just go back to, to Trey Burton. I like Trey Burton too. I think 11 is ridiculous. Like after those top six guys, I think he is, or top five guys now with, with uh, Henry gone. Um, I think he's I certainly, certainly in play anytime after that. So love both of those. My guy is Kyle Rudolph. I, I like Kyle Rudolph because of consistency. He's been the tight end eight each of the last two seasons. He's going off the board as the tight end 10 currently. So you've already got a little bit of, of upside uh, just priced in right there. And then you add in, and then you add in uh, the fact that Kirk Cousins is coming on board, and he's a guy that is very experienced using tight ends when Jordan Reed has been healthy. A little bit of a spoiler alert for somebody's overvalued player. Um, so he's, he's, he's made use of the tight end in the past. He did well with Vernon Davis, uh, even made Niles Paul a little relevant for a little while, um, Logan Paulson. So he's, he's, he's well-versed in using that tight end position. So to have him come in and have a guy like Kyle Rudolph there who has already proven that he's a top 10 tight end from fantasy uh, standpoint uh, is just, I think, means good things for Rudolph. I don't know if he has top three upside, but I think he certainly has that top top five uh, upside on that side, that offense. So we'll go right to my overvalued guy. I picked O.J. Howard at tight end seven. This hurts me a little bit because I love O.J. Howard, but we got to be we got to be real here, guys. uh, They re-signed Cameron Brait to a pretty big contract. Um, they can get out of it if they cut him by the fifth day of the league season in 2019, um, but a pretty pretty sizable contract for a tight end. So to me, it shows they want to keep using both of those guys. Bray finishes tight end 11 last year. Howard finishes tight end 20 in, in on points per game basis. They both had six t- uh, touchdowns, but Bray had more targets, yards, and receptions. So uh, I do think Howard works in a little bit more, but they're still going to use Bray, and that's going to cap his ultimate upside. So to price him inside the top seven there, I think is a little bit ambitious and is more just baked into the fact that he's young and he's in a good offense. So that's my overvalued guy. Uh, Dan, your thoughts and and bring up your guy. Yeah, Howard was definitely uh, in consideration for me as well. And like you, I'm a big fan of him, but let's really feel like tight end seven is, is a question mark at best, especially with guys like 
two of the guys that you guys chose as, as your undervalued guys, Rudolph and Burton, easily uh, more valuable than O.J. Howard, considering everything you said. The guy I chose w- was the tight end nine in the recent DLF ADP, and that's George Kittle, another second-year tight end. And, and I'm a guy that I own Kittle in a few places because he was cheap. He was a, a late-round uh, rookie pick a year ago, and I liked him coming out of Iowa. Now, looking at what he did as a rookie, it, it all looks good, really. Um, to catch 43 passes for 500-plus yards and a couple of touchdowns makes him a useful player. But I, I don't know if it necessarily makes him a tight end one, even when you consider what Jimmy Garoppolo did to that offense late in the season and, and the potential that Jarek McKinnon gives it, uh, it as kind of that scat back patch catcher out of the backfield. Um, I'm just not ready to, to make George Kittle a tight end one and a guy I'm going to rely on week in and week out you know like i said before there there's a lot of question marks after you get the past those that top handful of tight ends i'm i'm just not convinced that kittle belongs in that same conversation with some of those veterans that that we've talked about uh earlier in the show and and then other guys um even even farther down the list so um, give me Jimmy Graham and give me Kyle Rudolph and, and Trey Burton and and even potentially Mike Gusecki over over a guy like George Kittle. I'm 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 not rolling the dice with with the San Francisco tight end. Yeah, and I I kind of feel like I went with the chalk pick here again. Uh, Jordan Reed, tight end thirteen. Um, it feels a lot like the luck conversation. I think maybe he's just being drafted on that name value. Uh, obviously just like luck, we've seen some major production from him in his career. Uh, but, but these injuries just continue to mount up. Um, not only the soft tissue injuries, but concussions as well. Unfortunately, we always, uh, hate to see that of course, but I mean, at this point you have to think he might be he could be one concussion away from his career being over we saw um, cj fedorowicz have to retire this offseason due to um, concussion which again it's just it's kind of sickening that that's part of the game but that's where we are and and reed is just a major risk because of that and and these other issues these other injuries that keep him off the field Reed, Reed, you've mentioned that it's kind of a chalk pick, but it's certainly worth talking about because it does seem way too high. I, you know, when I looked through the ADP and I saw Tyler Eifert's name at 17, I, I didn't feel quite that bad. And I lumped those two guys together to see the difference between Reed and Eifert and names like Mike Gusecki and even Eric Ebron in between those uh, is, is kind of head-scratching to me. I, I'd much rather take the, the risk if there is if that's the right word, even on the young guys like Gasecki and and maybe the the guy changing offenses and and getting a second chance like, like Ebron is maybe even farther down like Dallas Goddard, uh, who obviously has to wait. There's a lot of other names other than Reed and Eifert to, to take that gamble on for sure. I I do think Eifert is a good comparison. Of course, uh, injury history for him as well. But like you said, he's, he's lower down the list. He's, he's, actually two full rounds uh, lower than Jordan Reed. So Reed with that 131 ADP, Eifert at 155. If nothing else, they should be basically viewed as equals at this point. What do you guys think it takes to buy Jordan Reed right now, just to play devil's advocate? Does a mid-third get him? 
I, I, I really don't think so. And mainly because the guys who have Jordan Reed are, are the truthers that are out there. That They're the guys that had Jordan Reed on their team early in his career when he was carrying dynasty teams or fantasy teams. When he was having those big tight end one seasons or, or tight end one stretches of games, you should really call it. Because he can never stay healthy for a whole season. Uh, but And those guys still believe because he's only 27 years old. And, he, and he's put up the numbers in the past. So... I don't think a third gets him, and I'm certainly not sending a second because we're we're getting some of those tight ends, those those young guys in the second round that I'd much rather have, to be honest. Okay, so just real quick, I pulled up a few Jordan Reed trades on the DLF Trade Finder. He did go for the 306, so Jordan Reed or the 306? I guess mm. I take Jordan Reed on that one on... Unless you're on the clock and somebody you really like is still there, I, I think I take Jordan Reed. I'm surprised somebody sold him for it. Also went for the 305, 209. Okay, this one is bad. <laughs> Jordan Reed for Jimmy Graham. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's not a real thing. That's... It is. And this one, this one is even worse. Jordan Reed for, for Hunter Henry on May 26th. We, we got to talk to the guy who, who has control of that trade tool. Man, wow. <laughs> but now, I, he does, gonna... now he doesn't have to worry about injuries. He got rid of Henry. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Uh, man, that's that's crazy. But I, I was just saying, you know, at a mid-third, I might, you know, take a shot on Reed. It's probably not going to work out. But, you know, for, for the five games you have him, you know, you're probably going to get good production. So, you know, maybe he, if you're building a tight end committee instead of just trying to get one of those top guys, maybe he's the third or fourth guy in that if you have the roster space to assemble something like that just for the games that he is healthy now that he's at the point where presumably you might be able to get him for a mid-third if that's a you real know, thing. You know, the trade tool suggests that you're going to get him for the third. I find it a little... Hard to believe that I that's, that's going to happen regularly. And ADP suggests the same thing um, with him falling at 13 and, and going as high as the 102nd pick in in a startup. That That's awfully high uh, for a guy that gets swapped for a mid-third. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, but, you know, maybe it's maybe it's worth we're trying just to see. So anyway, guys, uh, any anything else to mention before we get out of here? Nice hair, Matt. Thanks. I need a haircut pretty bad. Uh, that's, that's a whole nother podcast episode. That'll be on episode one of Matt's haircut coming to, to a podcast network near you soon. No, uh, we're going to get out of here. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on again. Thank you for listening for my buddies, Dan and Ryan. We're going to get out of here. We'll talk to you guys. next week.